Hello and welcome to Connected episode 247. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Hover, Luna Display, FreshBooks, and Squarespace. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by Mike Hurley. Hi. Hey, buddy. Doing all right? Have you recovered from the trip? No. <laughs> is this how you're going to talk the whole time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we are also joined by Federico Vitici. Hello, hello. Coming to you from the beach house while also recovering from WWDC sickness. I would prefer to recover the way you recover. At the beach? Yeah, I'm recovering from my office. Regular office, mega office at home. I would prefer to recover at the mm. beach, I think. I need to I need to more accurately plan my summer next year so I can try and live the life that you live. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I'm moving to your beach uh, house. Current. So, <laughs> see you there. Okay. okay. Right. It'll be an Airbnb by next year. Okay. So, uh, uh, we'll see if bookings are available or not. Okay. So, uh, but yeah. so, you got sick on the trip or after the trip? So during the trip, so really, you could say when you think you about picked it. up a WW to C's. Federico was trying to blame the air conditioning. No, it was the air no, conditioning. No, being cold doesn't I'm make you sick. Germs make you sick. Federico, no, this is Federico, like this is, we were in the no. same room. Extreme cold makes you sick. Why am I not sick? <sighs> okay, so you're trying to say that if it's like if it's December and it's minus five degree outside and you walk without a, a t-shirt on, Federico, Federico, that was not the inst- the situation in our hotel room. No, I'm just saying that my body is not used to sixteen or seventeen degrees Celsius in a room. Like I live in constant twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. And that is cold. Like in December, if you just walk outside and you're not properly dressed Mm -hmm. like you're gonna get sick right because it's too cold Mm. that's just a normal reaction Mm -hmm. like do all italians get sick if it's too cold like i don't understand this we've been talking about this for years i don't understand possibly been the fact that you were interacting with hundreds and thousands of people like sure maybe that was the reason that you got sick what i'm saying is that during the day Uh i would get better then i would go to sleep (sighs) and wake up again with a sore throat Because I had the cold air pointed directly no, at didn't. me. It wasn't directly at yes, you. Yes, I did. It wasn't directly at you. <laughs> there wasn't like a... a, a was point. I could feel the breeze on my neck. On your neck? As I was sleeping in a... Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, if you want to explain how diseases work, you can find Federico on Twitter. <laughs> cold weather can make... Cold weather can make you Okay, sick. look, we, we have a lot of things to talk about, so I'm just going to move us on. <laughs> Why don't why don't you walk outside in shorts and t-shirts in December, Stephen, and see what happens? See, see what happens to you. Okay, so we have some uh, a bunch of follow out this week. Just kind of wrapping up stuff from last week. Uh, Federico, you posted your App Stories interview with Craig Federighi, and I know I said this in person, but I'll say it again. You did an amazing job with that. Congratulations on a job well done. Thank you, thank you. Maybe he got me sick. See. <laughs> You got the Craig Federiz. <laughs> nope, nope. Bailed. bailed. Oh I bailed god. on it. Oh my Leave god. me alone. I bailed on it. I'm tired. Oh my god. Uh, well, well, thank you, Stephen. I appreciate I it. Thank you. I, I would have the worst pun of the show, but then Mike took that away from me four minutes in. <laughs> we have a lot of time left to, to, pun, to pun up a storm. Yes. So if you haven't listened to that uh, episode of App Stories, you should go do it. It's really, really good. Uh, also, here on Relay, both Upgrade and Parallel have published uh, interviews with various 
Apple people. So on Upgrade, Jason spoke with uh, Wiley Hodges and Josh Schaefer about Swift UI, which I think Jason did a really good job at talking about what's a pretty complicated like developer topic and making it approachable to those of us who aren't developers. So that was really cool. And then on Parallel, Shelley spoke with Apple's Director of Global Accessibility Policy and Initiatives. That is quite the title. Uh, but her name is... It's a mouthful. It is. But Sarah... Uh, oh, I should have looked at this before I tried it. You can do it. You can do Her- it. Herlinger. 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 Yeah. yeah Herlinger. Really great uh, topic about... A really great discussion about accessibility and what Apple's doing. They're continuing to push the, the ball forward. So go add those to your post-WWC listening. I, for one, am just super proud of the work Relay and others did at WWDC covering it from the podcast angle. It was a, it was a good year for podcasts at WWDC. Yeah, I do like this new strategy of Apple sort of opening up a little more to to reach like specific audiences uh, uh, using podcasts. I think that's a great idea. I really hope this is not a one-off. Not just personally speaking, but in general, I think reaching out to specific segments of the Apple community, whether it's Mac power users or, you know, folks who are interested in iPad or accessibility or, uh, you know, all kind like it's such a massive company at this point. And you can just by looking at the software releases uh, that were announced at WWDC, you can see how they all cater to a different type of Apple customer. And so I think it's definitely the right idea to go out to specific podcasts or specific websites and trying to be a little more open. I just, um, hopefully next year, they will have an even better podcast studio environment set up. Um, so, you don't uh, like cafeteria sounds? <laughs> those were not cafeteria sounds. Ah, okay. Uh, so uh, I, uh, you know, maybe loading dock podcast, loading dock sounds on a podcast should be a new genre. Uh, you know, maybe somebody should try that. But you know, uh, maybe next year it'll be a little quieter environment. Mm-hmm. But overall, uh, it was a pretty awesome week for for independent podcasting, and I feel this is a thing that should continue because. Uh, having that kind of recognition of the medium. I think it's important for podcasters. I think it's important for listeners. And I think it's important for Apple because they can reach out to the, you know, to the fans and to the audience that, that's interested in a specific a topic. A direct so, and engaged audience. You kind of can't yes, ask for more exactly. than that. So. Uh, also, we'll have links in the show notes to a couple of blog posts that have popped up post WBDC. So we have one by our friend, uh, David Smith, about the themes that he saw at WBDC and maybe where Apple is going with certain things. And then Marco Arment wrote one about Apple listening to its customers, in particular uh, centered around the Mac. Both really good posts that we unfortunately don't have time to get into today, but uh, I want to point you in that direction uh, that those are, are well worth a read at this point. Thus endeth WBDC follow-out. We do have one tiny topic, and that is my giant MacBook Pro, 15-inch mm. big boy. So we t- spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. I picked up the new 8-core model before the trip, and I've got to say it it totally won me over traveling with it. It is big to actually travel with. You know, you're not going to get much editing done on an airplane. But uh, I was really impressed with the performance and the balance of the machine. So I was... A little worried that, hey, you know, an eight-core MacBook Pro, like, it's just going to be hot and unruly, like, the whole time. And it's kind of like a sleeper in the sense that it, you know, it behaves and is mild-mannered when you're just sort of, you know, goofing off on Slack and email and Twitter and stuff. But 
when you put your foot down in something like Logic or you know making an MP3 and forecast, it sort of comes alive and all that power becomes available to you. And uh, I was, I've been really impressed with it. You know, the battery life is not phenomenal. I don't. I'm not really one to run like formal battery tests, but I can tell you when it's under load, it's going to hit the battery pretty hard. In just day-to-day use, it's, it's like a perfectly tame, normal laptop, and uh, I've, I'm really happy with it, and it's going to stick around. Interesting. I feel like there's some kind of like, uh, I feel like there's something going on here. I feel like you're trying to like lay the seeds for something, you know? It's just like, this laptop's definitely not going anywhere. Well, I sold the other one, so... Oh, you have? Oh, great. I have. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, I can't say to who, but it was Kyle's the Gray. Oh, again? He's bought two two Ooh. laptops from me now in four years. It's <laughs> interesting. Mm. So, so where's the catch, Stephen? Yeah, there is. This is what I mean. I, there's something, right? Like it feels like there's something. No, there's not. It's a great. Yeah, but it's a great laptop. I'm happy with it. There's <laughs> no but. But. Mm. Mm. Come on. <laughs> what is it? But there's no. There's... But, oh come on but i'm using the mac you pro instead us. now the trash can won me over i like to roll it around it's perfectly portable yeah yeah that's right i sold the imac pro and i'm using the trash can instead so so you so hold on you just bought a computer and you liked it like and that and that's yeah, it. yeah see it doesn't seem that's right it. does it there's some there's there's that's gotta great. be some catch are you are you are you okay i'm not the one i'm not the one who's sick i'm fine things are good hmm. it's nice and warm in here no germs hmm. Can we move on? That's all there is. Like, I, I like this laptop a lot. I think Apple did a good job on it. Everybody, mark this day. Mark this day. Not convinced. June 12, 2019. Wednesday, June 12. Stephen says <laughs> something happened. His computer's fine. Right? Everyone pay attention to that. You can move on now. Thank you. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends over at Hover. If you've been thinking about building an online identity, you can get started with one simple step buying a domain name. And with Hover, it's easy to find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. I've had my personal blog, 512pixels.net, registered at Hover for as long as I can remember. It makes it really easy to make sure my domain is secure with uh, basically auto-updating so I don't have to go in every year, every two years, and remember to re-register it. It just takes care of it for me. And their support is really good. So if I have a question about DNS or some other issue... I can talk to their customer support team and they can help me out person to person. It's a great experience. And if you are looking for that new domain name, maybe you have one and are looking for an additional one, you don't have to worry about weird upsells or a user interface that tricks you into buying something you don't need because Hover respects you as a customer and it means that the checkout experience, it's, there's no tricks there. There's no hidden gotchas. You can just get your domain and pay what you are expecting to pay. Hover has over 400 domain name extensions to choose from, which can help brand yourself online. Of course, you can get all the usual ones, .com, .net, .io, but maybe you want something different like .coffee, .ceo, .xyz. Whatever you want to showcase to the world, you can do it with Hover. If you're new to Hover, you can get 10% off any domain extension for your first year. Go to hover.com connected. Make that first step towards building your online identity today. Once again, the URL is hover.com slash connected for 10% off any domain extension for the first year. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So uh, we thought today that we would walk through Apple's platforms and talk about the changes that we're most excited about uh, coming. This is 
you know, a week later from WBC, the dust has settled. We've all done a lot more reading and preparation and kind of know more in depth what's going on. So we're going to spend uh, this episode kind of going platform by platform uh, talking about those things. And we're going to start with tvOS. Uh, and Mike, I believe you have have spent some time reading about tvOS. You're the tvOS guy now. I'm not. I, I think what happened was I got to picking things late this week. So I have tvOS and watchOS, a platform <laughs> that didn't really get a lot done to it, and then one I don't use. So yeah, but I've done some reading. Yes. Um, mm. So I, I I can I can provide you what I'm going to do. I don't talk about everything. I don't think we're going to talk about everything. Um, no, we went, the, the stuff mm. I think interests us the most are kind of yeah. high level stuff. Oh, like what? Maybe th- though. Maybe you should be the TVOS guy. Yeah, maybe I should. Right? Maybe I could. That could be what they, people know me for. I was like, oh, that's the TVOS guy. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like a few people at WWDC uh, actually came up to me without even saying hello or my name is you know Frank or something. Like they would just stare at me and then say. You're the iPad guy. <laughs> just, so I want to like be that. that, but for tvOS. But for tvOS. So yeah. I will, okay. I will start so, uh, the dawning uh, t- of this new era by telling you about multi-user support, which is, I think, really, the, the all of these things are, I think, of equal importance, the three things that I'm going to talk about. And it just kind of depends on your own personal circumstances, I think, how you would rank them. But the multi-user support, it effectively is like Netflix, right? So when you open Netflix and you choose... Uh, from which person it is, right? Like, is it you? Is it your partner? Is it your child? It's like that. So that that so this way you won't get a bunch of like bad recommendations. Like you won't get a lot of kids TV in your recommendations, right? So you can have like a specific kids page. And as well, Apple has that new like kids area as well, which is even better for the stuff to kind of help that all. Kind of you don't your kids stumbling across uh, The Handmaiden's Tale or something, right? Like, have some separation. Yeah, yeah, it goes both ways. Um, you access this via a new control center view. Um, I, I'm not sure how you get to the control center yet. I haven't actually worked that out. Um, I really hope, because it would be terrible, that you swipe down from the top right-hand corner of the Siri remote. Uh, because... <laughs> That's what I hope is the action. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Don't give him ideas. Please don't do that, Apple. <laughs> I do like that you can um, quickly switch between profiles rather than having to, like, quit, right? Like, going out to, like, a home screen or turning it off and on again, that kind of thing. It's kind of well thought out. They've also put, like, AirPlay-like controls for choosing audio outputs there, which I think is really good. So you can make, like, a master view rather than having to, like, go into settings to get to connect to your AirPods or whatever. So I think that's really good. Um, and you can have different photos and stuff with the icons and you keep your own history. So that's multi-user support on tvOS. Uh, I think game controllers is of an equal importance, but it depends on where you're coming from. So uh, we spoke about this a little bit last time, but the ability to hook up an Xbox or PS4 controller to your Apple TV is really great. It's going to be fantastic mm. for Apple Arcade. This feels like something that I'm expecting Apple kind of had to do if they wanted to make um, tvOS an actual uh, mm. really good destination for Apple Arcade games. So I'm pleased that they did mm-hmm. this. Um, and also this makes, for me, it makes it way more likely that I would use uh, the Apple TV to play uh, Apple Arcade games because I could hook right. up my Xbox or PS4 controller. So a question for you. 
Um, I know that the DualShock 4 works no matter which model you mm-hmm. have. Um, but Apple said that um, because these controllers require Bluetooth. And so they said only the Xbox One S controller. Is that is that the only one of the Xbox One controllers that has Bluetooth built in? Or will my Xbox One S, uh, Xbox One X controller work? Or will the Xbox One Elite controller work? Or do I need the One S controller? I do because not it, know why they mm-hmm. specifically stated the One S controller. Because the Elite mm-hmm. controller has Bluetooth. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it is a Bluetooth controller. Okay. My only thinking is that Apple just went for the lowest common denominator because they can't say all Xbox controllers potentially, right? Because it might not work with like Xbox 360 controllers, but I would expect that anything that works with an Xbox one and above would work. But I honestly, I have not been able to find anything that would tell me otherwise. Like I can't find anything that can confirm to me exactly what game controllers can be used. Got it. Okay. Because I should look into Yeah, this. I mean, if anybody knows, I would love to know. Um, but I, yeah, I have I have the standard One X controller and the Elite controller. I know that Microsoft just announced the Elite Two controller that's coming out. I think it's September. Anyway, in the fall. So I found a press release um, which just says Xbox Wireless controller with Bluetooth. <laughs> okay, so that's better. So I, I genuinely think that on stage, they just decided to just brand the best they could, right? Like if you start with, oh, Xbox One S controllers uh, and then move on from there, right? So I think that was kind of where they went with it. But I, don't, I will probably go with PlayStation just because that's what I have in, in the living room. Um, the, the, my Elite controller, I just use my PC. But I you know, I love both of those controllers. They're way better. And like, but I continue to find it super weird that the Pro Controller doesn't work and or that just in general they haven't made it for basically any Bluetooth controller to work. It seems interesting to me that they have very specifically chosen these two, but they have chosen probably the two most frequent, right? Because the Pro Controller, like there are a lot of Nintendo Switches. They're not going to be as many Pro Controllers. Um, and it would be super weird to try and use a Joy-Con to, with with your Apple TV. It'd be very peculiar. <laughs> would that be worse than the Siri remote? I mean, uh, probably, probably. Alex in the chat says it looks like you have to hold down the TV or menu button to bring up Control Center. That is less exciting um, than than swiping down from the top right hand corner of the swipey thing, the touchpad. Mm-hmm. But game controllers is good, and the underwater screensavers. So last year they went to space. This way, this time they went into the deep sea. I love the screensavers. It's one of the best reasons to own an Apple TV. So I'm pleased <laughs> that they're adding more on them. It genuinely is. They're so beautiful. It, they're really cool. So I'm excited about more varied uh, instances. I saw mm-hmm. one the other day. I was I was watching my my Apple TV, and it was one of the space ones. And I'd never seen this before. But there was like a thunderstorm. And so you could see all this lightning in a cloud. Oh, it looked really good. It looked really cool. Like you could just see all these like flashes in these clouds from one of the space ones. It is fun like that. I see these things every single day and I still see new stuff in them. Yeah. Well, they they do push out new ones, I think, from time to time. But uh, yeah, they they look great. And I mean, very often like our TV is just on and, you know, one of the kids left it on or whatever. So the Apple TV 
goes to that screensaver and is really nice. And, you know, I got what I wanted last year was the ability to see the location because it's the best thing. You like play the guessing game. And now I think you can touch the remote and it or slide or something in it. You tap it and it just pops up and tells you. And, and it, that's so and it cool. shows you. Mm-hmm. It's a great feature. So yeah, that that all that all looks awesome. And you know, TVOS is not necessarily Apple's most exciting platform, but one that like I'm impressed how far it's come. I think it's a pretty mature platform at this point. I don't think that there is a lot more that they can or should do to the Apple TV. Like really, mm-hmm. the focus now should be make the best deals and content to get mm-hmm. more content that you can. That is the focus yeah. of the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Really, they, they should be treating yeah, Apple guess, TV mm-hmm. like they treat Apple Music, right? Like, they don't spend lots of time updating the Apple Music app with new functionality every year, right? After like, its third redesign, they finally got it right. Well, they, but they're doing the same thing with tvOS. They're continuing to redesign it. They've even made some changes just visually from how the new TV app works, so it's going to look slightly different. Not not a lot, but there's just some like visual polish that they've put into the, the new tvOS version. But I I think that really what they should be focusing on is the content because that's the most important thing. Because it turns out turns out everyone that the future of TV was not apps. Mm. The future of TV no. is original mm. content. Apple know that. And they need to focus on that. That was what twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, <laughs> that it was a and that's and that's coming from the TVOS guy. So you know, it's yeah, true. you know me. Oh. Everyone knows me. I'm the TVOS guy. And so like, <laughs> but I mean seriously, like now that they have they have the the streaming service coming out, they have uh, game controller support with actual game controllers. They should really focus on the TV side on actually getting the you know the regionals started, and. I want to see what Apple Arcade is going to look like. We still don't know um, what the, uh, what's that, 100 games at launch? Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly mm-hmm. what games those will be and how they will play, what they will look like. Uh, and, I, and I really feel like getting, getting developers to make exclusive content for Apple Arcade could be another idea to sort of propel the Apple TV platform forward. Uh, it's a little strange message to say, you now have Apple Arcade and all these exclusive games and, and the best way to play them is with a PlayStation controller. But also, it's kind of like facing reality, right? Uh, nobody, and nobody is, is a figure of speech, but I mean, in the context of people who care about video games, your first thought is not, oh, I should really buy an Apple TV. No, your first thought is, I should probably buy a PlayStation or a Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch. And then, if you also have an Apple TV, maybe you're like, well, you know, there's actually a bunch of games here, too. Maybe I can actually play some games. Which is why I'm surprised by the lack of Switch Pro Controller support. That should also be a yeah. thing. It, uh, it feels like they should have done all three of them, or none of them. It's a, It just seems a peculiar omission. I find it very weird. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. They could add it, right? Like, it's all just Bluetooth, right? Like, it's not going to be a million miles to a way to add it. I've had a vision of the uh, Apple Arcade interface. Uh-huh. If we were still in the iOS 6 era, you it would be like uh, an actual walking, cabinet. walking into an arcade, <laughs> and there'd be rows of cabinets, and you'd have to walk around them oh mm-hmm. and then pick the one you wanted by, by clicking a button that looked like a quarter. Apple's going to create a VR headset for apple arcade that you have to put on walk over to the cabinet some people would say that that will look beautiful (laughs) some people today would actually still like that so be careful what you wish for steven you just put coins into your apple tv 
that's how it works let's talk about my second favorite platform watchOS Um, we'll talk about watchOS 6 I'm the watchOS guy now the part time watchOS guy (laughs) full time TV part time watch yes that's it yeah sorry watch faces we've heard about all of the watch faces by now but Apple introduced a variety of new ones um i they they vary in design and usefulness i think having seen lots of images and watches in use i think i've really warmed to the california face because it can be so visually customized so like a lot lot of the stuff that we heard before was like you could choose it was like oh it was a mixture between like uh, arabic and roman numerals but you can actually customize what you want the numerals to be on the face um so you can choose all or half or one or the other so like there's there's some you know there's a little bit more uh flexibility in that as well as being able to change some of the colors um and i also like that you can even with some of the watch faces that are intended to be more visually striking this time they are, can be customized with complications I haven't seen any watch face that can't have complications on it. So, or at least of the ones that are more kind of like visual, like the gradient one, for example, which I feel like previously it would have just been, well, no, it's just the gradient face. That's all it is. But now you can like shrink the gradient from a square into a circle and put some of those corner complications on it. So that's nice. Um, I didn't notice this, but when I was reading the, uh, I didn't even really think about it, but I was reading uh, Ryan's overview on Mac stories. And I, Oh, it was Alex. Sorry, it's Alex's uh, overview. Yes. On, on, see, I can check the byline. Uh, I've checked it. I've checked it, and it was Alex. Alex's uh, overview on Mac stories, and the Siri face wasn't mentioned. Isn't mentioned. Doesn't seem to have had any changes. It felt like Apple were really pushing on that, and have now stopped. Mm, yeah, that that was a good point. I also read that. It story. felt like that the Siri face was like. Oh, this is another attempt at building a user interface for this device. Yeah, I I was thinking about this, but from a different perspective a few days ago. Of, um, so I bought Sylvia two watch bands in 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 America, and she really likes them. But like, I was looking at them after she she tried them on, and I thought, you know, it's been a while since I saw a completely new watch band design from Apple. And it feels like, especially in the first year of the watch, they were trying a bunch of different things like the Milanese and the stainless steel bracelet and, you know, all of these leather designs. And now we've basically been stuck. I mean, aside from the Hermes collection, um, we basically had the same watch bands for a while now. And so I thought maybe this is another symptom of people just using apple watches for the basic stuff like and by basic i don't mean that there are simple features but the but just features that everybody thinks are obvious at this point so notification notifications and fitness yep. and so maybe from that perspective it's reflected in the software so lack of updates to the series face and also in the accessories because maybe people most people are just fine with the sport band and the nike loop whatever it's called band and which i think is fine because that's what people are using the apple watch for i guess it's focusing on what is important right? yeah yeah maybe yeah could be apple did add a selection of new apps uh one is voice memos which is one of those ones where i feel like I can't believe that this wasn't always a thing because even just as a case of like making you feel like you have a future feeling device, which Apple liked to do, being able to record a memo into your watch is very like James Bondy. 
you know? So, mm-hmm. like, they added stuff like walkie-talkie when really I would say that voice memos would be as cool and more useful than a, the walkie-talkie, but that's coming. Uh, a calculator, including tip functionality, so you can calculate tips. PCalc does this, has, and, and uh, you know, you can do that if you want to. There are third-party apps that do it, but Apple's adding their own. Um, they added the, for health stuff, they added a cycle tracking app uh, and also the noise app, and it was fun to see the noise app kind of in use last week so underscore david smith had the beta on one of the many watches that he was wearing um and it was interesting to see like when i was around him when the noise complication would alert him right to be like oh this the environment that you're in is too noisy so like one was in like uh walking through the lobby at the hotel where they had this loud music playing another which was my Mm -hmm. favorite instance is i was hanging out with him and a few friends and we were just like in a quiet environment and casey Alyssa arrived and he said hello to everyone, and it set off underscores uh, watch saying that the environment was too loud, mm-hmm. which I thought was Classic just loud American just, person. just amazing that the mm-hmm. uh, Apple Watch is turning against Casey. And so now everyone's just going to be like in a situation where, oh, it's too loud. Casey's here. So Casey's going to have to whisper now. The Apple Watch is, is making him out to be a big loud person. So I, I do think that that decibel thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I bet it's going to go off a lot. And that, that seems like a frustrating thing, maybe. Um, the App Store is on the Apple Watch now. I, I think the key thing here is really trying to work out who this is going to be useful for. Like, are people going to download apps on their watch that often? Like, are people actually downloading apps, third-party apps to the watch anyway? Like, I don't even know if that's a, a thing or, like, are they being automatically downloaded, right, to people's watches? Like, are people See, it's not, trying to get it? It's not are they downloading them, but does Apple want them to download apps? Yeah, and, I mean, by putting an app store on it, you would seem to think that, yes, they would like that. So, okay, so I will, I will bring forth a theory mm-hmm. that I saw on Twitter today from my good Italian friend Diego Petrucci, who was actually at WWDC with his team, um, I will find a link to the tweet. So the theory was the following, and I really want to hear what you guys think. Um, he said something along the lines of, I wonder if Apple pushing watch independence with the App Store and Swift UI is part of a bigger plan to get Android users to actually use the Apple Watch on its own appreciate the Apple Watch and eventually switch back to iPhone, iPad, whatever. Yeah. Like down the line. Because um, the Apple Watch is the only thing that is competitive in that market, right? Like it seems that Google Wear watches never really took off and the Apple Watch is, mm-hmm. the Apple Watch dominates that market space. So if they were to be able to create this independent device that then Android users could use, it would be great. But how well, – I guess it's just about making it completely independent, right? Because I'm thinking, like, what would you do with the health data? Well, the health data just lives on the watch. That's where it lives. And you don't – it doesn't go anywhere else. It's yeah, not guess, a wild yeah. thing. Mm. I mean, I think that there are many reasons that Apple might want um, the, the uh, Apple Watch to be independent. But – this could be one of them. Yeah, sort of like the iPod mm-hmm. many years ago. Uh, maybe we're, I mean, of course, we're not there yet. You still need to pair an Apple Watch with an iPhone and all of that. But full independence, maybe next year, maybe in a couple of years, 
so that you can actually go to a store, buy an Apple Watch, and it works on its own. You don't need a master device. That could be an easier sell for people who don't have an iPhone and just want to buy an Apple Watch. But you like it so much that maybe eventually you do get an iPhone or you do get an iPad or a Mac, if those will still be around. So, yeah, could be. Anyway, uh, so new apps, App Store. What else? What else is new, Michael? Well, the other thing with the App Store that is interesting to me, well, it, that is more interesting, I guess, is the, the, probably the more important part is you don't need to have companion apps anymore downloaded on a phone. You can have a watch app that just lives on the watch. That's all. That's its only place. So I think that that is a good thing. Um, because you can, you know, there are a lot of apps which are really intended to be watch apps, but then they have to have some weird iPhone app, and that can go away now, which is really cool. And then, you know, we were talking about the fact that it's a fitness device primarily. Um, one of the big things that they added to activity, right, on the watch, and it goes over to the iPhone too, is a kind of trend. It's called Activity Trends. It's like a three-month rolling comparison of your data compared to the previous year. So it shows you day by day over a three-month period, how am I doing compared to last year as well. It tracks a bunch of metrics around health and fitness to measure how you're performing. It includes, like, the rings and state data from your workout and, like, uh, uh, stuff that it can sense from the heart readers and stuff like that. And then uh, the watch will present you with coaching notifications based on the data, right? So you're doing really good or you're not doing so good. This is where you're not doing so good. This might be why. This is how you can fix it, that kind of stuff. So really, this is this is only the type of thing that can exist once the watch has been around for a while because they couldn't have launched with activity trends because there was no data before. But now Apple are in a position where they've been able to suck in so much data onto people's devices that they can start presenting it in these new ways, uh, which is really great. And if they're able to take a look at that stuff and provide helpful and actionable feedback to people to help them with their health and fitness, that seems like a good thing. It seems like a good reason to have this device strapped to you all the time, right? Like if it's sensing all this stuff from you all the time anyway, it's great to be able to have it presented to you in ways that are varying use. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends over at Luna Display. They are the makers of the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. This means you'll have a second display that's super portable with basically zero lag and gorgeous image quality. I've been using Luna Display in my office Basically, every time I record, I have the little hardware adapter plugged into the back of my iMac Pro, and I use my iPad Pro off to the side to keep an eye on Audio Hijack, the software I use to record. And this gives me uh, just a quick way to see that what I'm recording is actually being recorded. But it's way more powerful than that. A lot of people are using these for headless Mac minis like a home server. You can have this plugged in and access it from your iPad anywhere in your house. And it's not fiddly, like extra screens can be on the Mac. You just plug in that little bit of hardware and you're good to go. And everything just works over Wi-Fi. But if you're someplace, maybe you're traveling and don't have Wi-Fi, you can use Luna Display via USB cable as well. Luna Display is a complete extension of your Mac. So it supports external keyboards as well as the Apple Pencil and touch interactions, turning your Mac into a touchscreen device. It's way more useful than just an external display. And their all-new Liquid Video Engine brings significantly reduced latency and a faster screen refresh rate. Listeners of Connected can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. 
Just head on over to lunadisplay.com and use the promo code CONNECTED at checkout. That's lunadisplay.com, promo code CONNECTED at checkout. Head over there now and upgrade your setup. Use the promo code CONNECTED at lunadisplay.com for 10% off. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's talk about the Mac. And I think there's no debate, just as Mike is known internationally as the TVOS guy. Mm-hmm. I think I've I've solidified myself as the Mac guy on this show. Are there any complaints about that? No. Federico, you want to swipe in here and talk about Catalina? Well, yeah, sure. I can talk about Catalina. So Catalina is the new release of macOS. It has apps. Apps are new. Um, apps are good. Apps are good. People like apps. Yeah. And so the apps that you get on Catalina are really good apps because the same company... The future of the Mac is the apps. Same co- get this. The same company that makes the operating system makes the apps. So you know they're good. Um, <laughs> get this. Get this. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. I want to know more about Catalina. Can you tell me more? Not only that... But like the company that makes the operating system and the mm-hmm. apps also makes the computers. Whoa. Like mind blowing. I know, right? That feels like some kind of end to end solution. Yeah, yeah. So apps are, are on Carolina are full screen apps. <laughs> and <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> they take advantage of the of the screen. Uh-huh. Um they work with the mouse. Oh wow. So you you, you can, wow. You can select uh, uh, elements <laughs> and click, and and uh, there's a finder. Finder, finder is good. You can listen to podcasts. <laughs> the podcasts are made by a guy named Marco. <laughs> he makes all the podcasts. There's Does a feature called motorbike <laughs> that lets you oh, okay. stream uh-huh. stream your apps to other apps. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds really good. I'm really pleased that you were here for yeah. this. Cool. So we just cool. move right on. So that's Carolina. Uh, <laughs> we're we're really excited to see what you're gonna do with it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how I could top that, but I, I, can I fill in a couple details that you glossed over? Would that be okay? Sure. Okay. If you really mm-hmm. need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, there are new apps in Catalina. We have... Re- we knew that. Federico told us that. <laughs> we have Reminders, oh, yeah. uh, Music and Podcasts, and uh, TV. So Reminders, it, it's it gotten the notes treatment. In my time with Catalina, I'm running it on a 12-inch MacBook. So I don't know if the OS is slow or if it's just the computer it's on. Not the cleanest <laughs> beta test I've ever done. Mm-hmm. But... Reminders looks really promising. You can do... Do you know if Reminders is a Catalyst app or a regular Mac app? It is a regular Mac app. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Can we have a sidebar? Yes. Briefly. Because you you brought to mind something that's been bugging me. Mm -mm. We can have a sidecar. (laughs) 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 Sorry. I think we needed to talk about Catalyst apps a little bit differently. You didn't use the term, but the term I've heard in other shows and people talking on Twitter and blog posts and stuff, contrast Catalyst apps with native Mac apps. And um, that's just wrong. These Mm. are native Mac apps. If you look at the underlying frameworks, the way that they work, they are just as native as AppKit apps. Now, the difference is... Is it fine for me to say regular? I think I said regular. I feel like that... Because I don't really want to say AppKit. I would say maybe traditional Mac apps. Traditional. Mm. 
old. <laughs> you can say that too. Boring. Well, um, <clears throat> if you want to talk about AppKit, you can find Mike on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So vintage. Oh, oh wow, that's, that's good. Classic. Um, oh, no, so, that's wrong. <laughs> so yeah, that's too far. So re- Reminders is an AppKit app, um, and and most of the new stuff is because look. Catalyst and Swift UI mm-hmm. are new this year. The rest of Apple didn't know about this stuff until recently. So they had you know, reminders, I think, right. has been in the works for a long time. And I've got to say, I'm playing with it now. It's it's like kind of broken in the beta. Like there's a sort menu uh, item because I want to sort things by due date. And there's nothing in the sub menu. Like <laughs> it just says view, sort, and then there's nothing in there. So No, maybe that's just telling you what you need to know. You can't sort by anything. It's taunting me. I filed a feedback report. Don't worry. Good man. But uh, yeah, I did the same last yep. night. People do, do not, Steve. I assume you filed it on the Mac. I did in, in the new feedback app, which which is great. Yeah, and I did for iOS. So so uh, reminders feels really full featured. So it has a lot of things that you find in other task managers. You can have nested lists. You can have really powerful reminders, repeating tasks. They even have a feature that. I saw it. I was like, oh, that's sort of like the opposite of what Things does. So with Things, uh, items that are past due get stuck in your today view. And in reminders on the Mac, you can say, I want that to happen or I want you to preserve the original due date. So uh, some nice touches. Hmm. I think that it is going to be really powerful when they're done with it. Clearly, it's it's not finished. I'm so excited but I think, about it. I think I could move to it from Todoist pretty easily. Can you imagine if we were all just using reminders in like six months? Well, if you had told us five years ago we'd all be using notes, I wouldn't have believed you. No, exactly. So I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait to do it. Like, I really, I want to use reminders so bad. Like, I've been looking at the like the, the screenshots on the website, and, like, you can attach images to a reminder. I never thought I needed to do that, but, like, now I want to do it. Like, that just seems like a really nice thing to be able to do. Like, I could attach a screenshot to a reminder, that is feels like a thing I would do a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, rather because there have been times where I've like uploaded an image to like Dropler and then put a URL and a note. Like it's just like ah, oh, it sucks. And the sub lists, it's just like a nice thing that it has, and it seems like it's integrated nicely. Because like Todoist does that, but I hate how it does it. It's ugly. So I mm-hmm. think I, I'm really excited about a lot of the stuff in reminders and i think it looks very nice i like that you can choose icons and stuff which i didn't know for like the smart lists so when you create or like the lists that you create i should say you can choose the icons that you want for them so they will just look a little bit nicer i'm really genuinely like Mm -hmm. i am way more excited about this reminders update than i thought i was going to be but i'm very very keen like to be able to to use it but I don't know when I'm going to be able to actually use it properly because I don't want to update my Mac to a beta version of macOS. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They don't want to do that. And you, you do have to sort of opt in to the new reminders system, just like it was with iCloud Drive years ago, where it's like, right. okay, I'm ready to move over. Well, I mean, it might not be too difficult for me because I literally have not used reminders in like four years. So there's nothing in there. So yeah, but if you want to access mm-hmm. your task list on your Mac, then right. But that I might just have to let that go until Catalina comes out, right? Like, and I can just whatever I can just use yeah. my phone and my iPad. Like, it's not the worst thing. So I think when I'm when I'm all in on on the beta, which will be at some point, uh, I'm really I'm going to move everything over and I'm going to try it out. Like, I'm genuinely really excited about it. Like, uh, I I think that this could be an app for me. 
Yeah, it looks it looks really promising. Uh, of course, we also have iTunes being split up. The, the music app, like I just have to say, it feels like a stripped down iTunes, complete with the modal preference pane. <laughs> it's still there. It is. Uh, it puts Apple Music and your local library on basically a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it, you know I haven't hooked a lot of stuff up to it yet, but it does seem. Uh, very much to be more responsive and cleaner than iTunes was, but it it feels like a a child of of iTunes in, in a lot of ways. And uh, the TV app is kind of the same way; like it has the same modal preferences. Uh, it, um, but it's I like I need you to start plugging iPods into that Mac and see what happens. Like I just want to know what the whole Finder thing is all about. Like and how I just want to know. I would like you to report back on what it's like to use iPods with Catalina. I will do that. Uh, I've not done that yet, but I will uh, report back for next week because that all got moved. There is no reason why you should have done it before now. Like There are a million more important things, but between now and Mm -hmm. next week, I would really like to know what it's like to use an iPod like with with this that weird find of you i'm very intrigued to see what that looks like (laughs) okay Uh, and you are the man for the job it's true that there are a lot of ipods around here i could plug in Mm -hmm. Uh, the tv app feels very much like having a tiny floating apple tv just on your mac like Mm. the interface is basically what you would expect Uh, it seems pretty fluid all these apps do things like uh resize and the window sort of management feels much more fluid than the Mojave versions of, you know, news and and voice memos and everything. Clearly the technology has come a long way under the hood. Wait, so is TV Catalyst? Uh, No, it is AppKit. The only one of these new apps that is Catalyst is Podcasts. But what's cool is from a user perspective, Using music and podcasts, even like side by side, knowing in my mind they're built differently, you can't really tell a difference. They mm. both feel they feel and react and 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 behave effectively the same way. And I think that's uh, I think that's great. That's how it should be. And uh, I I don't think any I don't think normal users who upgrade to Catalyst this fall are going to be like, oh, podcast feels non-native or music feels native like there's not going to be in those conversations because apple's done a really good job at matching how they work to each other okay it's very impressive (laughs) coming from where we were last year Mm -hmm. especially so those are the the new apps Uh, but i do want to talk about catalyst just briefly in watching sessions it's very clear to me that while apple pitches this as just check the mac target checkbox in xcode that could get you a mac app but not necessarily a good one, not necessarily one that is as polished or as flexible as people would want. So there, there is work to be done by developers to take advantage of a fuller menu system, toolbars, you know, the touch bar support, uh, sidebars, the window materials, all that sort of stuff you can do to a Catalyst app. But if you're an iOS developer out there and you're thinking, I'm just going to hit the checkbox and move on, it may work, but it's not going to be as good as what you could do. Okay. And I, I'm hoping that the market of Mac users will push developers into doing this extra work, that those who go the extra mile to really make their Mac app sort of more well-rounded on the Mac, uh, that they'd be rewarded for that the work in the market. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think like everything else, there will be examples of both good and bad, well thought out and lazy <laughs> uh, work here. But it's clear to me that w- as podcast is the example that clearly developers can make Mac apps 
with Catalyst that feel really good and behave the way a user would expect. But it's not, I guess what I'm saying is it's not a given uh, that, that will require some extra time. And uh, hopefully developers are planning for that. I can't wait to see what it works out. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm just like really intrigued. Like, how many apps are they going to be? What are they going to feel like? Like, I'm really looking forward to that. Actually, I, I wanted to round this out talking about uh, security because that's a big part of what they're doing in Catalyst. That's really true every year with macOS. There's always something. Uh, this year it is Driver Kit, which moves kernel extensions uh, basically into the user space. So kernel extensions instead of working at the kernel level or up a level, kind of at the same permission level and access as user installed applications. And uh, I think Apple's done a pretty good job at prepping developers for this. So they have multiple categories of kernel extensions that DriverKit supports, including virtualization, which is the big one. So like if you install Parallels or VMware Fusion, those have kernel extensions. That'll all just work. Uh, Endpoint security, uh, some networking stuff, VPN applications sometimes need a kernel extension. Uh, serial support. So thank God we have that driver kit. If you still need that, you're, uh, you're squared away. And uh, they're saying that this is the last year that kernel extensions as we know them will run starting in 1016, whatever's after Catalina, driver kit will be required. And uh, that's a big change if you are using an app that requires kernel extensions. A lot of people do, but you know they've given developers a year or two to prepare. I expect that this will cause problems with like big, like Fortune 500 companies and like their sort of IT security software and McAfee and all those things. I would expect a lot of that stuff will break in Catalina or and and definitely the the year after. So I would say that if you are an IT professional in those sorts of worlds, pay special attention to this. Get Catalina on a machine. Talk to your vendors. Because this is potentially extremely disruptive. I think it's good for the platform, and it definitely makes the platform safer. Because I don't necessarily want software written by Parallels. No offense to Parallels, but I don't know if I actually want their software running in my kernel space. Like I always want Apple to be there, because uh, that's the heart of the machine. The kernel has access to so much data, yeah. so much information. Elevating that to the the user space is a great security move. But I, I think it's going to be a little bumpy in some cases. So that's something to uh, to look out for if you are reliant on those sorts of applications. Is it is it weird to see like over the last few years like it feels like Apple is really closing a lot of these kinds of areas of stuff that kind of makes the Mac a Mac, right? Like mm-hmm. they've got that notarization thing coming too, right? Where it's like you don't have to come through the App Store, but you have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's something. It feels uh, that a lot is... less wild westy than maybe it had in the past, and I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's something that people are getting concerned about particularly. Well, even like the T two chip, you know, blocks you from doing certain things. I see why they're doing it. I mean, I talk to people who again are in these sort of like really big IT environments, and a lot of that stuff is a giant pain for them. And so I don't envy the problems it can create. But from the platform perspective, I think what Apple is doing ultimately is good because it does make the Mac more secure and it makes the Mac hardened against sort of our environment that, that we all exist in these days. But I think like the, the Are normal there more user threats for the Mac. Well, I think I think that uh, that yes, that is that that's true. I think if you look at these like security conferences and you know Apple not disclosing security issues and that sort of thing, 
Uh, there have been opportunities for vulnerabilities on the Mac okay. in the recent years. The the other part of this is though we talk about this, but again thinking about like the person with like the MacBook Air who's just going to update to Catalina in September when it comes out, they're probably not going to notice any of this. But even though they don't, their Mac is more secure and and more uh, kind of hardened. Uh, and part of this is too is that the the entire as the chat room is reminding me, the whole operating system is now on a separate read only. Uh, volume in APFS. So your Mac OS itself, you can't actually tinker with anymore. And uh, I ran into this because I post the 5K wallpapers. The Catalina wallpaper is actually 6K, so uh, it's it's an enormous file. Uh, you've got a branding problem. I know. Finding that where it normally is, it was actually like sim linked to a folder that I couldn't write to. I could only read it from it. So I could copy them out of that folder, but I couldn't add anything to it. It's like, oh, Look at that. You know, you're, you are separate. And the Mac, you know, Finder's doing everything to obscure all that. But they are making a lot of changes under the hood to make the Mac more secure. I just don't know if, like, normal users would be impacted by that. But if you're an IT professional and you're deploying a bunch of Macs, some of this stuff, no doubt, is causing headaches. I hear from those people. And uh, you're going to have a fun summer <laughs> with, with DriverKit, probably. Yeah, because I would expect that, like, apps that would struggle with it, like, security apps they will do what they need to do to update but you've got to update Mm -hmm. and that's not always an easy thing to do in a large environment i guess and 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 there are things that apple's removing that does impact people like again the chat room is talking about apple's deprecating python ruby and pearl and catalina like you can just go install those elsewhere like i understand wanting it to be out of the box but you can just go install the command line tools or you can use something like homebrew so they're not closing off as many things as it may seem they're just adjusting the way the mac has worked uh over the years mm. uh another example of this that i think may impact people is the file provider api for cloud storage providers so this is how files syncs with dropbox and box and everything on ios that's coming to the mac and catalina which slipped under the radar i think last week but uh, it's potentially a huge deal because Dropbox does have its fingers in a lot of parts of the OS that you know some people don't like, and they, if they adopted this, it could be a cleaner implementation. Uh, ironically, as we're talking today, Dropbox released a new version that uh, does a bunch of stuff. So bad. Uh, it's also, I think, Electron. So <laughs> got that going for it. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, maybe they will eventually adopt this, but uh, the Mac is changing and. And I think mostly for the better, even though even though it does make life for some people uh, admittedly more difficult. But uh, I think for me, the headline with Catalina, and then we can move on, is I think the success of this version of macOS, or how big of a deal it is, we won't know for several years. Like, Catalina will be remembered in five years of, oh, yeah, that's when iPad apps came to the Mac. And, oh, remember how great that was? Or do you remember what a dumpster fire happened you know when people started doing that and lol do you remember we thought we'd use the mac app store more yeah and uh i I expect i I should say i expect catalyst to be successful i expect ipad apps to come to the mac and it'd be good for the mac and good for the mac users but catalyst will be judged on how that goes and Mm so this feels like a really big release but sometimes that's true and then it doesn't pan out long term uh but i think catalyst will go in the hall of fame of mac os releases a few years down the road we'll give it a trophy in three or four years. I think it, it will be, right? Like, I think because it, it's an important one, whether it works or doesn't work, like, it's incredibly important that Apple's made mm-hmm. this move. But now, really, the proof is in the pudding. It's in the marzipan. 
except we don't call it that anymore. We're going to talk about iPad OS, and I don't know if we have anybody prepped for that. So, uh, Mike, if you want to make some phone calls, I'll tell you about FreshBooks. Sound okay. good? Yep. We can find somebody. Hey, if you're out there and you're a freelancer, you know that time is the most critical element in your business. And if you want to save 192 hours, our friends at FreshBooks can help you do that with their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. So maybe you've been in that situation where you invoice somebody 60 days ago, they haven't paid, and you try calling them or sending them an email. You don't have to waste time on that anymore because FreshBooks can automatically generate those uh, chasing payments emails, and it gives you more time uh, to work. Uh, And when you do email those invoices, both either originally or those follow-up ones, FreshBooks can actually show you whether or not a client has opened it. So you are armed with information if you're in a dispute with a client or someone just says they haven't gotten it. You can be like, well, you did. You opened it this day, and you can can work through it. FreshBooks gives you data when dealing with your invoices, and that's critically important. So if you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go over to freshbooks.com slash connected and enter the code connected in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash connected for an unrestricted 30-day free trial. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, Mike, did you find somebody? Was Casey able to dial in and tell us about iPadOS? No, we're just going to have to skip it. Okay. It's not a big deal. I mean... We've got to skip it. You know, they basically made it like the Mac, it seems like. So I don't know what we need to <laughs> but talk about. They had the, the, I'm the still same. here, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm hello. Si- I'm still listening. I just want to hear where this goes. <laughs> they put apps on it. They finally, Windows. Get apps. They, put, they called Bill Gates and they say, hey, Bill, we need Windows on this, uh, on this device. So we got 95. Mm-hmm. Windows 95, that's what everyone's talking about. Windows 95 is coming to the iPad. It's brilliant. A bunch of changes, really. You can now multitask with the pencil. So, like, when you want to switch apps, you just uh, poke the iPad and it moves uh, between apps. You tap the pencil on the side. That you, it's like you kind of treat the pencil like a magic wand. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you just you just flick the pencil where you want the app to go and it goes there. And you're like uh, Leviosa and stuff and it just does its thing. They brought back Touch ID. But now you have to basically um, touch the keyboard with all of your fingers and it recognizes you. <laughs> all 10. All 10. Like, what? <laughs> It won't work. Yeah, it's a new smart keyboard feature, a finger ID. Um, what else is new? Uh, they have, yeah, they have multitasking. So now you can you can use 20 apps at a time, but no more than 20, no less than 15. <laughs> <laughs> so between 15 and 20 is your sweet spot. Federico, what's going on in iPadOS? Come on, put us out of our misery. Oh, a bunch of things, a bunch of things. Uh, so... Okay, uh, I would say that there's four major areas if you were to look for like key themes of, of iPadOS. And 
Um, there will be multitasking, file management, Safari, and um, external USB and uh, SD card devices, uh, external storage devices. Um, there's lots more changes, but I, I would guess that these are the four major uh, themes that we'll be discussing. Um, so it is not a radical, a radical departure from iOS 11. It is still based on that system in terms of how you switch between apps, how you add, uh, how you add apps to multitasking. Uh, there's still the, the the separation between split view and slide over is still there, but the system has been enhanced in a variety of ways. Um, so you still bring apps into multitasking by. Uh, using drag and drop. Um, right now, there's a couple of bugs in beta 1 where you cannot add an app from the home screen to multitasking. I believe that's coming back. Um, and you can still do what you used to do in iOS 11. You bring up the dock and you grab an icon and you add it to split view or slide over. What's new in iPadOS is that in addition to icons, you can drag content or views or like items from apps to create new windows. This is the major new feature. You can create multiple windows from the same app. So remember before WWDC, we were all talking about uh, what's Apple going to do, like instances or tabs, what are they going to look like? Well, turns out the answer is they're going to be windows and they're going to call them windows. They are. They seem to be a little uncomfortable with the idea of, well, these are not actually windows, but it's what people use to describe this feature, which is, it's the same app, but it's got a bunch of windows. And so what you can do in, in iPadOS is you can go the manual way or you can use drag and drop. Um, the manual way consists of revealing expose, which is now a feature in iPadOS. Um, so you can view the expose mode for an individual app. Uh, this is done by... Um, <laughs> this gets this gets a bit complicated. So in theory, this is done by long pressing on an icon on your iPad anywhere uh, in the dock on the home screen uh, and choosing the all windows button. Um, these quick actions, by the way, are uh, finally available on iPad as well. They Just, you mean three like when you three D touch on an app icon? Yeah, it's okay. not three D. It's not three D touch because the iPad does not have three D touch, but it's part of the new context menu API that Apple now supports on iPhone and iPad. Have they killed that really stupid recents thing? Uh, no, it's still there. I think. Okay. I. Th- I think it's still there. It's above the expose button. So if you have an app like Files, you will have two little pop-ups. Or at least, have they made it easier to access it? Because it was always basically impossible to access it. So the animation is still a bit, mm, like, could be fine-tuned in the sense that when you long tap on an icon, it shrinks back. And then if you let go, it expands with this menu. Mm. It mm. kind of does make sense, but I, I really believe Apple should refine it, visually speaking, and make it a little more obvious. Yep. Anyway, yep. in the expose mode, so expose can be accessed from this contextual menu or from, so let's say that you are in Safari. You have Safari open in full screen. Safari is the only app you're using. If you open the dock and tap on the Safari icon, uh, that just once, if you tap once without long pressing, that will immediately open Expose. Um, so if you if you want to see Expose for the app you're currently in, 
just tap the icon in the dock. If you want to see Expose for any app, no matter your location in the system, uh, tap and hold and choose um, Show All Windows. In Expose, there's a plus button, and the plus button lets you create new windows uh, in full screen. I still think, though, that the best way to deal with window in, in iPadOS is to use drag and drop. So you can drag, for example, a link from Safari and make it a new window, or you can drag a note from Apple Notes and make it a separate window, or a document, or like anything that can be dragged in theory should become a window, whether it's a document or a specific view of an app. For example, a listing reminders can also be drag and dropped to become a new window. Uh, to create mm-hmm. a window, you drag an item to the side of the screen. Uh, you can then choose to make it a uh, split view, uh, which is a bigger rec- rectangle, or slide over, uh, over, which is a smaller rectangle. Again, the design could probably be refined because it's still not completely obvious what is split view and what is slide over b- before you actually drop an item. You can now also drop uh, something that you're dragging uh, toward the top edge of the screen. And that will create a new full screen window, which is an even bigger rectangle. So a bunch of rectangles going on, really. Um, when you have multiple... Uh, it sounds complicated. It, it is when you describe it. In practice, like I'm an iOS 11 believer. So I still think the iOS 11 system was not perfect, but it was fine once you actually get used mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and I think this is also fine because the benefits that multi-windowing brings on, a, on iPad are amazing. Um, you can have, for example, multiple windows in SlideOver and you can cycle through windows either from the same app or from different apps. And it's basically like the new SlideOver with Windows. It's like having the iPhone 10 multitasking UI just in slide over on the iPad. It's basically an app picker for iPhone-sized windows on your iPad. Can you... So I was thinking about this, right? You could keep, like, just four apps there and you could just quit whatever ones you want and just keep the four apps there all the time, right? Like, you, it's just... Or Windows, even. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a separate app switcher. So, like, if you, mm-hmm. if you swipe up and pause, it shows you the app switcher UI but just for the slideover apps. So uh, mm-hmm. you, you can close those windows and keep a separate set of windows in the full app switcher. Um, mm-hmm. All of your windows are shown, again, in Exposé on a per-app basis or in the regular app switcher, uh, which is the, you know, the, the multitasking UI that you get when you swipe up on the home indicator. Uh, and they will be mixed along with your all of your other spaces. Um, there's some design changes that Apple is trying to, to, is testing to make it a little more obvious what is going on. For example, right now, I have three Safari windows. Two of them are paired together in a split view. Below the icon and the Safari name, uh, one says google.com, the other says relay.fm. So Apple is trying to label the views and the windows so that you actually know what they're all about. Um, mm. They're doing the same for messages, conversations, for notes, for reminders lists. Basically, it's a way to say this This is what these windows are all about. Um, it takes a while to get used to this system. Um, it's it, it's definitely a little intimidating at first when you see expose for apps on iPad, when you see uh, the, the multitasking UI with all of these windows. 
but it actually works and it's really awesome that you can have multiple like the same document open in multiple places or two different notes open at the same time on screen or maybe just have like different messages conversations while you're doing something and swipe through them in slide oh. over without having to do back and open this one, then go back and open that other one. You can just swipe. Up. See, this is like the thing that I keep forgetting, right? That it's not just apps, it's Windows. No. Like, it's, yes. It's like a thing. It's, it's going to take me some time to get my, to like, to really like lock into that. It does. But it feels time. so yes. nice. It just sounds so nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think they've done a decent job, at least in beta one, at trying to extend the iOS eleven sort of design language and interactions to fit this new system. So, like, basically, most of the interactions are the same. Drag and drop still works the same, but now you also you also have Windows. Um, again, there's probably a few tweaks that Apple could do. For example. When you have two apps in, in split view, still a bit unclear which which one is actually receiving keyboard input. Maybe there's a design tweak or something that Apple could do to make it a little more obvious. Um, but yeah, it, uh, and again, it depends on developers actually implementing Windows, which is a fair amount of work because the the technology is all based on this new API called the the, the UI scene. So it's developers actually have to put in some work. It's not like oh, you automatically get Windows. No, you gotta actually support uh, iPadOS. Um, but yeah, that that's one part of the story. Um, oh, and there's also like there's different new UIs for picking Windows. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the summer, and those will also get tweaked uh, as the betas uh, go on. File management. I mean, this is. I think this is actually my favorite, mostly because I was not expecting all of these changes in the Files app all at once. Column view, contextual menus, zip and unzip, uh, access to SMB servers, access to USB drives and SD cards from files. You can share folders. Improved search, so you can have actual search criteria in the search field. More keyboard shortcuts, proper quick look, quick actions, sort of like on Mojave. Um, it's it's an awesome update. It's, it feels like they went through all of the problems that people had and actually fixed them. I'm, I'm holding my judgment because they've added sure, a lot of great providers. features. But some of the fundamental bugs of files are so stupid that I want to see that that <laughs> stuff is fixed. What are some of the fundamental bugs of files? Well, I would love it to remember what my favorites are. Just won't do that. I would love it to sometimes just, yeah, really? I, it will. I've always had inconsistent. So like I'll add my favorites, they just disappear. Are your, wait, are your favorites from yes. Dropbox? Yeah, that's the problem. From the user perspective, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Like it's a bug. Yeah, it needs to mm. be not like that, right? So, like, no matter whose problem that is, it needs to be not like that. And I think that Apple need to work harder to make sure that, that stuff's in a way that Dropbox can fix it or work directly with Dropbox to fix it, right? Like, if that's how they're going to tell me that I should be using Dropbox, I, mean, I was perfectly fine with the document picker 
like the previous one, whatever it was called, right? Where it would load up the view of Dropbox. Like that was more reliable in a lot of instances than files is. So considering Apple forced everybody to go down this route, I, right? Because now I can't choose a Dropbox file picker like in anywhere in the system unless an app has built their own. So I need, I want to see that support working properly. But to be honest, it isn't just Dropbox that I have problems with when I'm trying to download a file, right? And it just spins, mm. and that happens in iCloud Drive, right? Mm. Like, when it just sits and spins, and like, what am I supposed to do? Like, it's like a 20K file. Like, what are you doing? And it's just spinning, and there's nothing I can do to get it, and it's just stuck, right? So, like, stuff like that, I want to see fixed. I'm really excited about all of these additions, but I really want to see the underpinnings made a bit better, too, because it's really important if I'm going to supposed to be using and managing my files this way. Well, that's a bummer. Uh I was really yeah. I have a lot, I've I have had consistent problems with the files app. I was really excited about. I'm this excited one. about uh, it too. Like it's still good. All this stuff is still good. But I really hope that they've also done work to just shore up the basics, as well as adding all these amazing features. Behind the scenes, there's um, changes to the um, file bookmarks API. So the the thing that I described in my iPad story a few weeks ago got even better for developers now. So you actually get access to the entire contents of an external folder, including subfolders. Um, so apps that work with this kind of stuff, uh, like Working Copy and IA Writer could actually get even better because the API has been improved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am going to, as soon I'm recording this podcast on an iPad, and as soon as I'm done recording, I will take the SD card from the recorder that I'm using and plug it into my iPad and get the file from there. No more crazy hacks and workarounds to uh, get the um, the the file wirelessly from like a <laughs> third-party Wi-Fi box. So I'm pretty excited about all of this. Um, moving on, third major feature: Safari Desktop Class Browsing. Uh, this is also really really impressive um of course apple changed the user agent uh, of safari for ipad to safari for mac but that's not all um they did a lot of work um in the web in the webkit engine to render desktop websites on ipad and dynamically alter the viewport um, so that the content could actually scale to fit the ipad screen while displaying a desktop layout while also maintaining text at a legible size Um, and in addition to that um, they they added support for pointer events, which I believe is a CSS property that lets you uh, abstract interactions, whether it's touch, click, or stylus, and it works with all of those input systems. They also supported media source extensions, which is another web API to um, to stream audio and video content uh, through JavaScript. Um, all of this, may, and they, of course, they mapped by they did a lot of work to map a tap to a click because, of course, you don't click on an iPad; you actually tap the screen. But in doing that, they also needed to reconcile how you scroll on a desktop computer and how you scroll on an iPad, but also how on a desktop PC you have a trackpad, you have a cursor, and therefore you can hover 
over website elements to like reveal menus or expand navigation elements. On an iPad, that's not possible. We don't have the concept of hovering over the screen. You just well. touch the screen. Um, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so they did a lot. They did some work there to also make sure that you could, even if you tap, but if it's a hover element, it will not navigate. It will actually expand the menu. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes that that went to sort of improve all of this. The result is that popular websites they are they all now work on the iPad. Uh, I'm using Google Docs right now, looking at it right now, and it works just fine, including comments and real time chat and and text styles. I tested the YouTube desktop site. I tested Netflix. I, I was able to stream Netflix in iPad, Safari, uh, WordPress, Squarespace, uh, Zapier, which was impossible to use on iPad before. They're all fine now. This is going to be the, the big difference, I think, for, for, mm-hmm. for many people. Yeah. Like, I was talking yeah. to Adina about it last night. She was like, tell me what I might be interested in. And when we were talking about it, she was like, oh, I was trying to check in for my flight on my iPad and I couldn't choose my seat. And I was like, well, all that stuff's going to be fixed. And she was like, oh, I might use it more now. Right. And I think that is so many people could be like, oh, okay. Right. Like if the web just all of it just works, I'll just use my iPad. I think it's going to be a huge difference for for a lot of just more general users, including professional users. Right. Like the more general user might not care that you can zip and unzip in files. But they will care that their bank app's going to work. No, their bank website will work, I should say. Because the web is a catch-all, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have an app for something or don't want to install it, again, something simple like checking in for a flight, I don't want to install my airline's app for that. I just want to do it on the web, right? And this lets the iPad finally, uh, <laughs> after a decade, be a... Uh, a full like a citizen of the full web. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really exciting. I agree with you, Mike. I feel like out of all this stuff that may be the most important because it, it unlocks the iPad for so many more uses for so many more users that just were so frustrated by simple things. Right. I think it's also kind of an F you to Chromebooks. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I would expect that Apple is kind of sick of the comparisons when talking about real computers and that somehow mm-hmm. everyone will just say, Oh, well, a Chromebook is more of a real computer because it has a full desktop browser which I don't necessarily think is a is a thing because most people, will, I think in a lot of instances, will tell you they would prefer apps anyway. But it's a comparison in the same way that, you know, I've, I've been saying about like, well, one of the main reasons I reckon they added external storage devices is just so they stop getting compared to devices that can do it. And this mm-hmm. could be another one of those things where it's like, well, now this is something you can't stack up a Chromebook against the iPad and say that the Chromebook is more of a computer than the iPad because the iPad also has a full desktop browser now. So come at me, right? Yeah, and it it gives people who rely on you know something as simple as, hey, I have to upload stuff to my CMS mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Like so many like really specific problems. And those are the types of problems that keep people off a platform to your point, right? If you have two things you do at work every day and one of them just doesn't work on the iPad, the iPad isn't a viable computer replacement for you. No, it's useless to you then. It, 50% of your work can't be done. So what are you going to do? And so yeah. I think this is a huge deal. I'm so glad they they finally were able to tackle this. And it seems like they did it in a way that is going to be pretty bulletproof. I mean, I haven't spent much time with it, but it seems like the way they've implemented this 
I'm sure there will still be the app here or web app or website here or there that doesn't work with this, but it seems like they've built a robust enough system to basically accommodate anything within the realm of sort of normal web standards. And that that's really that's really exciting to me. There's a download manager now in Safari uh, that allows you to finally download files and shows you progress. And you can have multiple downloads going on in, in a little Poor window, like on, like on a Mac. Poor yeah. iCab, yeah. really. Um, you, can also, you can also specify your default download location, including file providers. So any folder, yeah. Okay, I, I wanted to ask you about that. So if I'm in Safari on the iPad, I could download you know, uh, directly to Dropbox without having to step through files, like Safari just sends things to Dropbox automatically? Yeah, you can Ooh, you can select oh that boy. in settings. That's exciting. So yeah. you have to set it first. Yeah. You can't just be like, download it here, but you would say in settings, put it in this folder in Dropbox, and that's just where it's going to yes. go? Yes. And by default, it goes to iCloud Drive slash downloads. Uh, but there's a setting screen in, in Safari settings uh, to manage uh, downloads and what happens to them. That is just, I mean, it's a great feature, but that is a surprising feature. And I guess that, you know, they wanted to give people choice of like, no, I don't want to waste my iCloud space. It really feels like the Safari team on iPad were kind of allowed to do whatever they wanted. Because so much of this feels like, wow, you really, you really did a lot. Like, you didn't just take a step Mm -hmm. into this. You just went all in on this, right? Like, even because the next point that <laughs> yep. you have is another one is keyboard shortcuts. There's way more keyboard shortcuts yes. than is necessary. They put them all in there. Yeah. And so uh, it's wild. They, it's really amazing. Basically, all of the keyboard shortcuts from the Mac now work on iPad, including Command 1 to Command 9 to switch between uh, tabs. Oh, sweet. I use those every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can show the download manager with the keyboard shortcut. <laughs> I love that, but why? It's so good. Com- Command Option L. That's the download <laughs> manager, of course. Um, S- same, same as the Mac. The Mac has that. Yeah. Why would the iPad not? Exactly. And this, uh, this feels like the kind of feature that was done exactly for me. Command S lets you save a web page as a .webarchive file, which I absolutely love because web archives do not get enough love these days. They are full offline copies of a web page that you can store for reference later. And they are better than PDF documents. Do not come at me. I prefer web archives. How do you view your web archives? Oh, for like for the... uh, How do I use or store? View them. Oh, with Quick Look, oh. they are in, uh, natively previewed oh. now. Yeah. So Safari, yeah, pretty amazing update, honestly. And there's even more like, um, you, for example, this is wild. If you have a bunch of tabs open, like you're doing research on, on a topic, if you long press the bookmarks icon, you will get the option to save all of those tabs as bookmarks. <sighs> it's like, let me save all of these like working <laughs> set of web pages as a bookmark. Or, or you have a folder full of bookmarks. Well, if you long press the folder, you can reopen all of the bookmarks oh in your God. tabs. Again, it's like, why? <laughs> yeah, why? Why did you add that? I'm so pleased you did. But like, at what point was it like, I know what we need to do. <laughs> right? This, do you know what this feels like? This feels like a team that's been working on something for a few years. Right, mm-hmm. like yeah. the, this is this is yeah. what happens when they're sitting on this stuff for a couple of years. We've got a couple of years worth of work in one. I'm real. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm probably gonna move to Safari now. Right, it's probably what's gonna happen. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you're still using Chrome. I for, I always forget. 
Almost forget. Or I could just use Safari as like this very specific working tool, which is probably also what I'll do. We'll see what happens. I, I really, I really don't understand why you don't just use Chrome with Safari. I've explained it to you many times. My history is synced across all my devices if I use Chrome, because Safari on the Mac is not as good as Chrome on the Mac. Also with Safari, Chrome on the Mac works better for Google Docs. What's the problem? Yep. Oh, I see. Yeah. Really? You're not wrong. Yeah, it's better. I mean, I've been, I've been, I mean, maybe I don't use it to your extent, but I've been fine with Safari on the Mac. Maybe it's gotten better over time, but it's one of those things where I got burned. So I just. One thing that uh, your comment about a team who working on it for a long time, I get the impression, I'm going to see what the two of you think, that Apple maybe three, four, five years ago would basically roll out something at the year mark. You know, maybe we would get some of the Safari stuff but not all of it at once. And now it really seems to me like they are willing to hold features until they have a bigger, more complete picture. So instead of just getting a download manager or just getting new shortcuts in Safari, we get this whole new Safari all in one big update. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think while that is frustrating in the short term, because yeah, having a download manager two years ago or a year ago, if it were ready hypothetically, That'd be great, but uh, now we're getting like a whole new Safari, and it's like a really big deal. Uh, one, do you do you all feel that that's a thing that's happening, or am I just sort of making this up? And two, if it is happening, do you think that is a a better or worse strategy from the user perspective? Yes, and better. <laughs> okay, I do think it's happening, and I think it's better because whilst it can frustrate people like me and Federico who feel like we're waiting for features that mm-hmm. should be there. When they arrive, if they are more complete, they're more likely to be used, right? Because people won't bounce off Mm. them if they use it and say, this is rubbish. Or it's like, oh, you told me this was this, but it's not, right? Then people Mm -hmm. will be more likely to to actually spend time with them, which is more important at the end of the day. So I think that this is... I think this is great, and I'm ple- if that is the method that they are taking, then in theory I am in on it. But it, but what you know what I would want to see though is like it's not that all of iPad OS takes two years to make revisions to, but that they kind of stagger it, right? So like this year you'll get these types of features, and on this year you'll get these types of features. You know what I mean? So like don't align all of your teams at the same cadence, like split them up a little bit so you get some of this and some of that but still adding new stuff every year yeah i agree with that even though it 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 it, it is a little annoying when you're on the off year and you get nothing uh, so right but that's that's what i mean i need to try and make every year and on year but the on years are always smaller right like you don't need to mm-hmm. do massive stuff right you don't they don't need to do what they've done this year every year right this year is huge now next year just give me some smaller stuff but show me that there's still stuff going on and like and then we can just have that as the mode just give me some stuff every year you don't need to overhaul everything every two years yeah it's it's like that that expression like i guess it works in english too like better an egg today than a hen tomorrow uh and you always want to wait for the hen because that that the hen is going to give you more eggs so you never want the egg actually um so what i'm saying is you actually want to want to wait two years and you got all of the features no? Sure. I, no, no, I yeah. want the eggs, not the hen. No, you don't want the eggs. You want the hen, and the hen will give you more No, because I want some stuff every year, right? But like, but what I'm saying is spend the time working on the features, but don't lock them all in on the same cycle. 
right? So like the Safari team, it might take them but then two it's years not a, but... to make something bigger again. That's fine. Let them take their two years, but don't have the files team working on the same two-year cycle. Have them working on a two-year cycle, but have their kind of release time on the but, off year of the Safari team. But what if they depend on each other for, for some features and they actually need to come out at the same well, time? Well, then you hold those ones. I don't know. But all I'm saying is yeah, I like the idea difficult. of them spending yeah. more time refining stuff and making it better, but not at the case of like, now we have to wait the maximum amount of time always you know like spend the time working on it but don't feel that you need to put it all out at the same time like you can kind of put it out mm -hmm. a little bit more when it's ready mm -hmm. to round up iPadOS updates um, we as I mentioned we have quick actions on the home screen now uh, so you can long press icons and you get the 3D touch menu and, and quick actions, even though the iPad does not have 3D touch. Uh, this also works on iPhones where peak, peak and pop, uh, the system, the 3D touch system is gone, replaced by the context menus and haptic touch, basically. Um, so get ready. Can you not preview an iMessage anymore? Um, let's see. Yeah, you can, but it's it's different from pick and pop. Um, it's it's the based on the new context menu That's fine. Uh, thing. I just want to be able to still read my messages without affecting the read receipt status. That's all I want to be able the to do. The functionality, the functionality is still the same. That's a pro move, by the way. If you use read receipts, you can just use pick and pop to read the message without changing the read receipt status. Mm. Just be careful. Mm -hmm. If you press too hard, then you'll open the message. But that is my pro my pro move. Yeah. Um, the home screen also has widgets now, so you can pin your favorite widgets to the left side of the home screen. And I want to ask you guys, I think we were all under the impression that Apple would do a little more to the home screen than just yeah. widgets. This feels like the most obvious approach. They, like They went with the easiest possible option, but they at least did something. But Yes, but not even widgets mixed with icons just widgets on the side no they were just like you know that widget view that's over there we're just gonna bring it here like <laughs> just just move it a little closer but that's it uh, at least they did the like six by six grid of apps so like it doesn't move around anymore but look they did the yeah. bare minimum but they at least did the bare minimum because they haven't done the bare minimum in a long time but they did it yes yes Finally, uh, I mean, there's going to be a bunch more features that will probably come out in future betas that we'll discuss in future episodes, but we got to mention this one today. You can now use a mouse or a trackpad with your mm. iPad, uh, either via USB or Bluetooth. It's going to work. Uh, as we mentioned a few episodes ago, it's an accessibility option. It's enabled in assistive touch uh, that will give you a new pointing devices menu. Uh, once you connect a USB or Bluetooth mouse or trackpad. And not only that, you can program individual buttons of a mouse to perform specific actions that are supported by assistive touch. So what I did uh, when I was waiting for, I had a four-hour layover that became a six-hour layover in Ethro uh, a few days ago. I, that's, a, that's a good workflow you had. You needed more time, delayed the flight. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I went to an, an electronic store and I bought the Logitech uh, M, MS, MX Master. I think it, the MX Master S 2S. 2S, I think, uh, which has four buttons that you can program 
uh, or five buttons actually that you can program with the assistive touch menu in iPadOS. And it's amazing because I can now left click is tap, right click is go home, um, button three is show the dock, button four I actually forgot. Uh, because I don't have the menu here with me right now. Uh, but it's amazing. So um, it's not perfect because the cursor, like Apple is making a big deal out of communicating how this is an accessibility feature. This is not actually, oh, the iPads, now they all work with mouse and trackpad like uh, like on a Mac. You don't have all of the design considerations that go into actually supporting a pointing device. Even though you can connect a mouse, you get an accessibility cursor. You don't actually get a real cursor. There's no actual real support, for example, in UIKit for hover state for a mouse. There's no automatic resizing of UI elements when a mouse is connected. There's a lot more work that Apple could do to, su- to properly support mice and trackpads. My understanding is that this is the easiest path for Apple to have some basic support right now for using a mouse or a trackpad with an iPad. Still, despite the fact that it's not perfect and the cursor is too big and the click area is too small, it actually works. And I've been using my iPad Pro connected to the ultra-fine display with the Logitech mouse and I can now interact exclusively with the UI on the ultra-fine on the monitor because I have a mouse and I have a cursor, and I can click stuff. I don't have to look down at my iPad anymore because that mouse gets the job done. And I'm so happy that it works, even though it's not perfect. It lets me do what I always wanted to do, which is have an iOS interface on a 4K monitor without actually having to look down at my iPad all the time. So, yeah, it's very nice. It's very nice. And you can actually do, you know, you can do drag and drop. You can resize, split view with the mouse. Uh, basically, uh, it simulates a finger. So all that you can do with the finger can be done with the mouse. Again, not perfect. Could be a lot better. Maybe Apple could actually improve it during the beta. It doesn't have to be this way. Even though you don't actually, you're not actually saying, no, like, this is just for accessibility. Yes, we get it. You could still make it better. Uh, and again, the whole theme of accessibility is to empower everyone. And a way to empower everyone would be to actually make this existing feature a little better. Even though you don't have hover state in UIKit or automatic uh, resizing elements, could still be a little better. Could still, you know, make it a little smaller or make it the size like a user choice. Uh, you know, there's things that they could do, but we'll see. File your feedback reports, people, right now. It's the best time to do so. And that's it for iPadOS. All right. We're going to wrap up by talking about iOS 13 and some CarPlay stuff. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor, Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea. And with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more, it's easy with Squarespace to knock off a whole bunch of things on your to-do list. Maybe you want to create an online store or have a portfolio published to show off your work. Or maybe you want to start your tvOS blog, where Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to become some sort of web server admin because Squarespace has got it covered. 
They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Their system allows you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Here at Relay FM, we've been using Squarespace for five years to power our blog. So anytime we have an announcement about a live show or a new podcast or merchandise or something, we can go into Squarespace very easily, uh, uh, write, I write in Markdown, put Markdown right into Squarespace, drag images in, change the layout, all right within my browser. And I know that it's going to look good on every device because Squarespace, those, those templates are just going to handle that for me. I don't have to, to worry about things. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So let's uh, cover a few iOS 13 features that are not in iPadOS or that we haven't spoken about. Like the, We're not going to talk about reminders or whatever because we spoke about that earlier. Um, dark mode uh, is here. It looks great. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with the way that Apple decided to implement that. The way that you enable it is kind of strange. You, there's like it's not in Control Center as its own dedicated button. You have to go into the brightness tile in Control Center, and there's a button there, which is interesting. But you can also set it on a timer. Um, I would expect not a lot of people are going to be like turning it on and off just like randomly. You're either going to leave it on or you'll put it on a timer, and you'll probably go mm-hmm. that way. I reckon that's how most people will probably yep. interact with dark mode. And uh, Catalina picked that up as well on the Mac. You can have dark mode go off at a set time. Oh, yeah. It couldn't do that before, right? Right. Before it was a manual that. switch. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Uh, there are APIs for third-party apps, right? So if the dark, if dark mode is enabled and an app has a dark mode themselves, uh, they can have the system automatically switch it to them. This is this feature will inevitably spawn a million dark mode themes, which is great. I mean, a lot of big apps have them there themselves anyway, right? Like even huge apps like Twitter have it, right? Like they have dark mode. They have like a gray and a black mode. Uh, but having the APIs there so it can be set automatically. So, you know, if you're expecting dark mode, you're not going to get like retina piercing white uh, will be really great. So I'm excited about that. Um, and there are also new wallpapers in iOS 13, that like the default stock wallpapers, they have these little icons on them, which mean that they will they will dynamically change right from bright to dark in the background when you switch to dark mode. But there's also a setting where you can have the system dim your wallpaper when you're in dark mode if you set your own. So that's really cool. So that's dark mode. Uh, shortcuts, we covered shortcuts, I feel like, last week. It's baked into the system, all in one place. Automation looks amazing, very exciting. Uh, photos mm-hmm. looks really good. It has that refined design that uses machine learning to to pick out images from years, months, and days. It tries to highlight what it thinks are your best photos. Um, and the photo editing tools are much better and can be used on video. The sign-in with Apple, which is a great thing, right? Which allows you to, 
if services need an account, you can, and they usually typically would be like, hey, sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google. Apple can do mm-hmm. this for you. Um, I think something that we didn't know uh, when we last spoke about this was that Apple will be enforcing this in applications that use third-party signups. So if you're an app and you say sign in with Google to get through app review, you also have to have sign in with Apple, which is... Mm-hmm. Good and interesting and maybe slightly bad, uh, but it's a thing that they're doing, right? Like, you know, it's like I'm pleased that it exists as a user. Um, it is always a bit awkward when Apple force something on you as a developer or as users, right? Because it's like, okay, I feel like you're trying to be good here, but you're doing a weird thing, right? Like you're doing mm-hmm. something that we would say other companies were being bad about, but you're coming at it from a privacy perspective, but now everyone is supposedly coming at everything from privacy perspective. So, but uh, I think that it's a good thing, but it is also a little bit like uh, app review. So, but yeah, you know. there's a uh, there's an interview over on the Verge. It went up, uh, I think, right before we started recording, uh, and it is uh, talking with Mark Risher, who is the product management director for Android. And the Apple sign-on came up, and basically he was saying that Google doesn't do the things that Apple sort of painted Google as doing. And then they didn't get called out, but you know, the, Apple sort of painted this picture of, oh, we're not going to track or anything. We don't know if the other guys are tracking. They can't be trusted. And he sort of goes into detail about how, how the sign-in with Google works. And they're doing no tracking. Good for them. They're not, they're not using it for advertising. So it's, uh, it's an alternative. You know, I wouldn't use the sign-in with Facebook, but it seems like Google at least is handling it closer to the way Apple is than maybe Apple insinuated. And uh, they have the swipe keyboard so you can do the swipe typing. But they didn't do anything of emoji search. Come on, Apple. Why not? Why not? Come on. How hard is it to put a little search field in the emoji fit box? Come on. Well, they have it on the Mac and it doesn't work, so maybe it's tricky. I mean, it kind they've of works. Got to, they've got to do it. But it doesn't work great. But at least it's something. Like, come on, Apple. Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. That's iOS 13. Oh, and there's a new volume indicator. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Buried the lead there, Mike. I know. People would have rioted, though, if that wasn't fixed. So I'm pleased <laughs> yeah. that they didn't fix it. Or if they made it take over the whole screen. The whole screen instead of I'll just... I'll show you. <laughs> oh, you said you wanted to make it not as big. I misread the feedback. Well, they should have it that, like, the louder the volume, the bigger the indicator. Like, it just oh, like, physically good. gets bigger. And if you're on max volume, it just covers the entire screen. Yeah. Or if Casey comes in, it just covers the yep. whole screen. The phone explodes. I want to talk about CarPlay before we uh, before we wrap up today. As, as part of iOS, CarPlay has been... Pretty static, I think it's fair to say, since its launch. And uh, they've added, you know, app types and things. But the the general UI of CarPlay hasn't changed all that much. Uh, That is different this time. So you have what's called the CarPlay Dashboard, which is an excellent name in every way that I 100% back. And it gives you kind of a tile view of maps. Did you mean that? Media I think it's a great name. Okay, great. I like it too. I just wasn't sure if, if yeah. you were being Because it, it's like a dashboard on, on CarPlay in your dashboard, mm-hmm. in your car, and it's playing. Dashboards things. all the way down, right? If uh, if your dashboard feels guilty, maybe it could have a dashboard confessional. I resisted the joke. I oh resisted it. Uh, I told oh you that there would be a worse pun than my one, and we found it. It took until oh the end God. of the episode, but we did definitely get there. 
So this new UI gives you kind of a tile view of maps, media playback. You can tell it to give you Siri suggestions, which will surface things that Siri suggests that you do based on location and time and all that stuff. So, uh, hey, you're backing out of your driveway. Normally you close your garage door with HomeKit. Hmm. Maybe you want to make sure that was done. Uh, so that's cool. I don't know how useful the Siri suggestions will be for everybody if you're not really into the rest of the ecosystem. So you can't actually turn those off. There's a new settings app in CarPlay. There's also a new uh, relatively simple calendar app, which I think is a great idea. Uh, it will show you your upcoming events and if there are locations mm. uh, tied to those events. So, hey, I'm going to this meeting at this address. You can tap on, on it and Maps will pull the uh, pull the address up. That makes sense. I was like, why would you need a calendar in the car? And that makes a lot of sense why you'd want a calendar in a car. Maps already does some of that, where if you have an upcoming event, it will surface that in the Maps UI on the phone. So it's kind of making that all a little bit more Mm -hmm. robust. Uh, There's also a redesigned music app that looks really good. Uh, I I have not installed iOS 13 on my iPhone, but when I do, I plan to to do some more stuff around CarPlay because I think it's an interesting platform. A, A really key change that I've complained about and others have is... Uh, say that you have your car uh, parked in a parking spot. It's in, out of gear. The emergency brakes on. <laughs> yeah. Not driving. Yeah. Okay. Not driving. Yeah. Okay. I really like how very particular you were with that. I'm really trying to be careful how I say this. If you had, say you had Overcast playing and you had Overcast on the CarPlay screen mm-hmm. and then you opened messages on your iPhone. While you're completely stationary in the car while park. While completely stationary with the emergency in a car brake park. on. In neutral. Wearing your seatbelt, just in case. Okay. Messages would come up on the CarPlay screen. And then Siri would be like, oh, do you want me to read your new messages? And it was infuriating because basically the iPhone display and CarPlay were linked. It was like uh, CarPlay was like a projector of what was happening on your iPhone. And they've broken that link now. So you can have an app open on your phone and it won't change modes in CarPlay. This is also really common if you're riding with somebody and then, you know, you hand them your phone to pick music or something then and you're looking at navigation, you miss a turn because they're in the music app. Like, right. it's giving you more flexibility. I think that's a good change. There's also a lot of stuff for future cars. So all the stuff I've talked about so far, existing cars will just get because it comes from the iPhone. But if car manufacturers want to do more, there are now more options. So a lot of cars now, instead of a traditional gauge cluster they basically are using a screen behind the steering wheel, and it shows you a digital representation of your speedometer or your tack or whatever you want. And now CarPlay can project onto those screens as well, and there's support for multiple screens, resizing the CarPlay window, uh, projecting CarPlay into an irregular-shaped screen. This stuff will require uh, car manufacturers to adopt it in the future, so if you have a, a you know um, a, a car now with a, a digital screen instead of a speedometer, you're not going to get this on day one. It seems like, but maybe with a firmware update to your car, or uh, if you trade it in in a couple of years, your your next one would have it. So Apple's being responsive responsive to modern car design, and uh, and lastly, new cars can enable the uh, Ahoy telephone without pushing a button. So you can just speak out to Siri. And uh, that seems like it's only new cars, but I'm not positive on that point. So I, I don't think that's coming to existing uh, existing that installs. That doesn't but. make sense to me because I thought everything we knew about that feature required some kind of architectural chip change in Apple devices. 
how it works is it listens for the wake words through the car's microphone and then routes that to the iPhone over lightning or wirelessly if you have wireless CarPlay. And so hmm. I believe the change is that the car microphone has to always be listening. And I think that's why it's only future cars or cars after some sort of firmware update. I don't think like my aftermarket right. CarPlay unit will get that particular feature, but time will tell. Hmm. So that's a little ambiguous in watching Apple sessions, whether uh, the Ahoy telephone wake word will show up for everybody, but at the very least, it can be available in new cars. But all in all, it's good to see CarPlay uh, be uh, evolved. You know, I've really enjoyed having CarPlay in my truck the last six months or so since I installed that head unit, and it's it's in so many new cars now. I'm glad Apple is taking some time to improve it. I think the dashboard in particular is going to make it feel much more modern and, and powerful. So uh, CarPlay looks really great in iOS 13. I'm excited to try it out. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. That's all of it. We talked about all the things. So uh, if you want to catch up on show notes, links to things we talked about or articles we mentioned, you can check in the podcast app you're listening in. We have show notes there, but you can also find them on the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 247. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can also do that, of course, on Twitter. Mike is there as iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a lot of great shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter as V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, and he appears on a bunch of podcasts both here on Relay and over at MacStories. You can find me on Twitter as ismh. Uh, and I write at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Hover, Luna Display, FreshBooks, and Squarespace. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. See ya. Adios. <laughs> Trying out something new.